Dandavats and uh, good morning, Guru Maharaj. Good morning. So uh, my question is, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about um, Karma Mishra Bhakti and Arup Siddha Bhakti um, and what their relevance is for neophyte sadhikas. Sometimes they hear Karma Mishra Bhakti spoken of kind of, you know, like something to be overcome, you know, to you know, attain Shuddha Bhakti, whereas like Arup Siddha Bhakti, I usually hear spoken of more positively, like, you know, one's dovetailing their activities in devotional service, uh, but I also sometimes hear them spoken of like synonymously. So I was wondering if you could clarify that. Yeah. Um, in the sense that you're talking about it or asking about it, um, there's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, ninth chapter where Krishna says, Yat koroshi yadasnasi yat joshi didasi yat, etc. He says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, give away, do it for me. And I'll accept that. So uh, that is um Siddha Bhakti, Karma Mishra Bhakti. They're related, similar, if, if, if not the same in many instances. Um, but that said, um, well, uh, this refers to also things that we do because we have a body hmm, that aren't necessarily bhakti, but uh, you have to do so. Sleeping is not bhakti. It's not an anga of bhakti, but body needs to rest, so you need to sleep. Hmm. So do it as an offering unto Krishna. So in that sense, we do uttam bhakti, of which there are many limbs uh, that engage the body, the mind, and speech, and so forth. And um, excuse me. And um, as I say, well, in, in invariably instances arise in which. We have to do something that's not bhakti in and of itself. So we offer it to Krishna. That's uh, Arup Siddha Bhakti. And that's also Karma Mishra Bhakti. Now on the other side of it is that there are Karma Mishra Bhakti is, is, is when someone is within the system of Varnashram, and performing the duties of the Varnashram and uh, offering uh, the fruits to Krishna. Uh, we don't have a Varnashram society system and so on and so forth. So we're not engaged in all of those activities and, and Bhakti transcends them in terms of the two being paths under themselves. Bhakti is a path and Varnashram's a path. So it's not uh, as much of a concern for us, but you'll find examples in the scriptures of persons who are uh, strictly performing the karmas according to the Varnashram. Hmm? And, um, and as an offering unto Krishna, then they can get extraordinary uh, results from that. Uh, they could even attain a status uh, in Vaikuntha through that. It wouldn't necessarily be praying in Vaikuntha, but 
liberation nonetheless. Um, but th that's not our um, concern, really, as I say, because we don't live in a Varnashram society. So our concerns with Uttam Bhakti, which is not covered by Gyan or Karma, with regard to Karma, that means that we don't think, as some people might, for example, in a Varnashram community and society, that if I don't do this particular karmic duty relative to my psychophysiological makeup that's ordained in the scripture, well, I'm going to get a, um, a negative result and my bhakti will be negatively affected. Or if I do do this particular prescribed duty, my bhakti will be enhanced. That's a disposition in which um, one's sense of bhakti is covered by, by karma. The fact is that if you don't do it, or if you do do it, it's not going to affect negatively or positively your bhakti. Bhakti runs on a different track. Sometimes the two can run together. But uh, the Varnashram and bhakti um, at the same time may... And may separate in instance we find many instances of this in chaitanya charitamrita where according to the varnashram system chaitanya mahaprabhu should have done such and such but instead because of an absolute consideration in terms of the path of bhakti he uh, would forego that um, uh, duty responsibility that mandate and um and instead embrace what bhakti dictated in that particular instance. So as I say, it's fine, they can run together, but where they where they depart, then we see the, his example that he, uh, um, his default if you will, was, was, was bhakti. But again, so, so, so because you'll encounter that in the scripture, then it may be a little confusing in relation to the verse I just cited, which does it's not talking about any particular Barnashram prescribed or duties or not, not but uh, sleeping, bathing, uh, you know, these basic hygiene and uh, other such things. Um, of course, eating is essential. We incorporate that's incorporated into bhakti by offering the food to, to Bhagwan and so on and so forth. But as I say, some things are not so. This is a simple way to think about uh, rope siddha bhakti or karma, in this sense, not prescribed duties, but bodily affairs, if you will, affairs arising out of the karmic uh, conditions which you find yourself, which is your mentality and your, your, your um, physique, physical and mental psychophysiological makeup. Of course, now uh, that psychophysiological makeup at the same time is undergoing a transformation and because you're factoring bhakti into your life and, and the ideal of uttam bhakti, which will give rise to an identity for participation in the real world, in, in, in Krishna Leela. And so, your physio-psychological makeup will be impacted by that in a positive way. And uh, in advanced stages of sadhana, then the, you, know, you start to develop a disposition as a particular type of 
player in the role or, or, or player or uh, having identified with a particular role in the drama of, of Krishna Lila. So um, if, if, anyway, the Europsi is meant in this sense to fill in the gaps, if you will. Hmm? And let me go to sleep for Krishna, that I might rest my practitioner's body sufficiently to rise and again participate in his service and you know may I dream about him and you know in the course of doing so something to that effect is a way to think about that does that help oh uh, yes that that helps a lot thank you very much Guru Maharaj okay thank you for the question Yamati do you want to ask your question just programs like us to assign so I assign bhakti to the activity by way of offering it to Krishna. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sumati. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Good morning. I can see you too. Okay, good morning. Um, my question is about I'm reading the Rajavilastava by Raghunath Daskoswami. Hmm. And um, so he's describing Raghunath Daskoswami's prayers to Mother Rohini, saying how Rohini loves. Krishna a million times more than her own son, Balaram. And then it goes on to say how she sees them equally, that there's no difference between Krishna and Balaram, but still she loves Krishna more than Balaram. So Do you want me to talk about that? Yes, please. Well, uh, one way to think about that, of course, is that she loves them equally, um, but uh, Balaram himself loves Krishna, hmm? mm. and um, and he promotes loving Krishna, and and, he, and exists for the purpose of loving and serving Krishna. Right. So if you love Balaram, then you're going to uh, love Krishna and arguably love him more because you love him and he teaches you to love Krishna. So I think that's the way that you can uh, look at that. Last week, somebody asked the question anonymously that if they had attraction for uh, uh, Sakyarasa as a friend of Krishna, who's not involved in Krishna's romantic life, that's called a Priyasaka, whose Sakyarasa is cable, it's just pure Sakyarasa, not um, uh, mixed at all with Madhurya, which would be a friend who's also sympathetic to Krishna's romantic life and participates in it by assisting him. And that devotee was asking about that and said that uh, given his or her inclination towards that, how to think about that in relation to the another fact, which was that she or he had affinity for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but not for Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? Oh. This is a question. And I answered it. Some of you will remember that. But um, it your question reminds me a little bit of something like that. Um, I did mention that I don't want to dismiss anybody's uh, affinities. And in one sense, any affinity that anyone has, even if it's not clearly well thought out and grounded spiritually, but it's an affinity for Krishna, well, 
it, in one in one level, it should be encouraged. But then we are encouraged to understand the underlying tattva and philosophy and the parameters of rasa. We call rasa tattva that where actual rasa uh, arises within those philosophical parameters. Like if you have a circle and it's bhakti rasa, or let's say it's sakya rasa, with circumference will be all about the philosophy that differentiates friend being a friend of Krishna with anything outside of that circumference, which would also be friendship. So it's important to understand the philosophy. And the devotee was asking, I think, you know, for an answer like that. But it's, I'm reminded a little bit because I like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I, I don't like Nityananda, or I don't feel this affinity for Nityananda Prabhu and so forth. So, the, you know, these kind of feelings, they, they require thinking a little more deeply about the uh, philosophy. How does Chaitanya Mahaprabhu feel about Nityananda Prabhu? So if you love Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how can you not, how can you possibly not love Nityananda Prabhu? Probably just say, if you love me, love my dog, which is the way it works. If you love someone, then anything that's dear to them becomes dear to you. Hmm? Right. So if we say, I, I really like Lord Chaitanya, but I, I don't dislike Nityananda, but I'm not attracted to him. We should think, well, who is Lord Chaitanya like? I love Lord Chaitanya. So I want to be a Piranarma Saka. Well, that's good, but you know, you're not interested in, in your friend's romantic life that so much preoccupies him. Yeah. That's a good question <laughs> to ask, <laughs> right? Um, so it's a little unrelated, but it's somewhat related. Right. Um, how loving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which one more, which one? Another devotee asked me uh, about a month or so ago that, well, I'm interested in in, in Sakya, but I, I like Balaram, you know, more, more than Krishna, but I also have affinity for Radha. Hmm? So I have affinity for Balaram, I have affinity for Radha, but not so much for Krishna. So I said, I said, well, you know, who does Krishna, who does Balaram love? Well, Krishna. <laughs> who does Radharani love? Krishna. So you know, might need to think it out a little bit more, right? Understand the underlying philosophy, and then you can rise above a, a something is more of a mental kind of orientation to something that constitutes real feeling. Hmm? in which such questions uh, will arise. So you need to get more feeling. <laughs> but no, your question is good. I mean, you, you're reading it right there. So what, is it, what does it mean? So that, that's, I think, a way, so, some thoughts about the, the subject and particularly about the verse that uh, you, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and one thing it did say was that because Krishna is the self of all selves, that they naturally, everyone loves Krishna more than they love anybody else. Except for some gopis who like Radharani more. Right. Than, but Radharani is Krishna also in another sense, right? One and one and different. Right? Yeah. So. But I knew you would have something more to say. So to... yeah, no, it's that's an interesting, interesting question. And good, good, good to bring up. Those who love uh, Radha, a little more than Krishna, it's, it's only a little. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's the, and the feeling there, there's, there's some math or reasoning to the feeling also. I'm talking about the handmaidens of Radha. They love Radha a little more than Krishna. Hmm. So 
their love for Krishna augments their love for Radha. It's peculiar because typically our love for any other devotee in the Leela, um, in, in Rasa, will augment our love for Krishna. So this, this is a little reversed. But the math behind this, um, what's sometimes referred to as Manjari Bhav, the Bhav of the handmaidens of Radha, that we find is the, is the inner life of Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, six Goswamis of Vrindavan, who are the architects of our Sampradaya. The math of that is, well, what's the math? The math is that Krishna loves Radha. He's most taken by her because her love is supreme. He's the supreme object of love and she's the supreme example of love, Mahabhav Swarupani. She's the, the very form of, of Mahabhav. Uh, so I want to please Krishna. He loves Radha. He's drawn most to her. So I'll serve her because the math is that will please Krishna. So while we say, oh, she loves Radha a little more than Krishna, it's all in the context of trying to please Krishna. He is the object of love hmm, for everyone. Hmm? Right. So, um, so it's interesting that it was Rupa Goswami that said that Rohini loved Krishna a million times more, a million times more than Balaram. Yeah, it's, it's hard to quantify such <laughs> yeah. such feelings, right? So, so large numbers are often given out. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you if you love Balaram fully, right then he will love Krishna as much as he does, which is more than he loves himself. Right? Yeah. Okay, thank you for the question. Thank you for the answer. Another question? Okay, so the next question is from uh, Tapa Maya Dasi Das. So, okay, the question um, is, as per what I have heard and understood, the natural affinity to serve is there. And by the association of a devotee in particular, it gets um, modeled to that particular rasa. I was listening to a clip of B.R. Sridhar Maharaj and he explained how Krishna Das Babaji uh, said that even after understanding the glories of Madhurya Rati, he still wanted to be in Sakya Rasa. rasa. Can you please explain, can you please help me understand this? What is the natural attraction? Because rasa being fixed doesn't make sense to me as well. And then how to understand points like this, that some people get attracted to some particular rasa and some to others. What's the cause of this if it's not innate in the soul? Well, that's, uh, of course, uh, uh, a big discussion. And um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, seemed to emphasize a, um, I want to say, um, the idea that uh, Bhakti was inherent and it required uh, Sadhu Sangha. And then the other side is, well, Bhakti's not inherited, it requires sadhusanga. So depending on the way in which one looked at that, the answer would be, would be different. Um, 
and um, and there could be a third way of answering it as well. So um, I think that um, it's clear that um, in all instances that uh, sadhusanga plays a significant role in our um, attainment. Um, who we associate with is obviously going to determine how we worship. Um, and that's uh, kind of a basic rule uh, that applies materially as well, how we associate so we will become like, so we have a certain nature, it lends itself to nurture. Um, and so for the most part, we see that the two correspond association and type of worship and a such type of attainment, um, is a, there's a corresponding type of attainment. So, um, but there are exceptions, so, Krishna as Babaji Maharshi, you mentioned, could be seen as an exception because his guru, for example, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitaku, was um, idealized the Madhurya Rasa and he idealized uh, Sakya Rasa, albeit Sakya Rasa mixed with Madhurya Rasa. Um, so Pujapad Sridharmarj, uh, uh, who you mentioned, commented about this and he his emphasis there is in consideration of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's uh, perspective. Um, and so he would say that uh, inherent uh, in some sense, uh, some have reasoned in a teleological sense, the jiva is by its very nature, a, um, a das of God, it exists, that means to say, for the purpose of serving God, its purpose in life, that means teleological, its purpose um, is uh, fulfilled hmm, in servitude to, uh, to Bhagwan. Hmm. Um, it's hard to get around that point. I think this is the idea of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's title his book, Jaiva Dharma. There's a, there's a Dharma. Um, to the um, dharma, in this sense, means teleological. Is that there's a purpose for which the jiva exists, and it is ultimately to serve God. And there are different form, forms of serving God, even even merging with Brahman as a form of service uh, to God. Or have one has to engage in service in bhakti to let's say to attain that that status. Um, so. Um, Given that fact or that idea, then Sridhar Maharaj is commenting that, well, in some deeper sense, then the identity of the jiva um, is um, I want to say, um, spiritually speaking, is predestined. Hmm? Um, there are statements to the effect that, for example, uh, comments uh, that are have been given for generations 
on um, Priti Sandarbha uh, with regard to the Siddhadeha that more or less inform us that the Siddhadeha's spiritual forms are unmanifest but eternally existing and um, those forms will be will be united with the devotee in his or her attainment of prem. So there are existing, uh, you could argue, well, uh, the guru is the representative of Krishna. Sure, the guru is the bearer of bhakti. Krishna follows bhakti, but the devotee follows Krishna. <laughs> it gets kind of circular. Um, so um, there are there is reasoning, I should say, as to the idea that the identity, the attainment of the jiva um, is um, existing. Um, and it, it will be realized with association. And that association will be ultimately like-minded association, um, and qualified association and um, um, you know me in the broad sense it's all arranged by Krishna in another sense well um, it's bhakti's doing but bhakti's only doing what Krishna's doing so it, it's it's uh, uh, there are uh, different ways of of talking about it and thinking about it um, the jiva here's another way of thinking about it for example uh, the, the, the jiva is um, really tatasta shakti is a shakti of of, of the paramatma. But the jiva is a vibhinamsa, and its shaktis to to act, kriya to know, gyan, its icha, uh, its 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 desire, its ability to be a doer or an agent of action, its ability to have. Uh, qualitative experiences, uh, it's, its capacity to know, these are all shaktis. Hmm? To do anything, you have to have a shakti. So the jnana shakti, the icha shakti, the kriya shakti, these are either material or spiritual. So every spiritual shakti, jnana, kriya, so on and so forth, as I mentioned, each of they all have material manifestations, just like you have Radha, you have Durga. So probably used to give the example of hot and cold, electrical energy, Parasya Shakti Vivadaiva Shriyute, Upanishad says there's one Shakti that appears in a multitude of different uh, forms. So um, if you take the Jiva's movement in materially speaking, in the material world, well, it's dependent upon uh, Kriya Shakti. But that's the mundane Kriya Shakti for it to be a doer. Hmm? Um, however, when it does or is an agent of action in the material world, hmm, really what's happening is its presence is activating the subtle and gross material nature that are doing the doing. Hmm? It's not, Jiva Goswami explains in the Sandarbhas in the full sense of the term, really much more than a witness although we call it a doer because without its touch, the material nature, psychic and physical matter can't function. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, when it's touched by Swarup Shakti and Gyan Shakti, 
of, from that from that side, from the spiritual side, then it actually is a doer. Hmm? And it's uniting, if you will, uh, with the with the with the Sarup Shakti. If you look at it like that, you could argue that, well, then the real position of the jiva, hmm, which has the capacity to be a doer, that is not fully manifest in material nature, but is fully manifest on the other side of uh, on the shore, if you will. Tatasta uh, on on on, uh, on the other side, which is the influence of the Srup Shakti, then that Gyan Shakti, you can say, is inherent in the Jiva. Um, for it to be a doer, there are qualities of the Jiva that don't manifest um, on, 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 um, until it's liberated from material existence. So anyway, so those that's it. Now, Padmanabhar has written a book all about um, uh, the idea that bhakti is, 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 is only given and is not inherent. That's different from the way I just talked about it. Um, and that, that uh, he, he's done a long, uh, that's quite a lengthy book about that. Most of the articles have been published that he drew the book from. So you're probably familiar with, 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 with that idea. Uh, but uh, um, even here in Adadarya, my disciple Bernarun has written eight or ten articles um, based on the Sundarbas, questioning the way in which some of the Sundarbas have been looked at to arrive at certain conclusions. So um, let's take go back to Padmanabharsh's efforts and so forth. At the onset of his book, he calls for a Socratic type of you know, discussion about these topics and so forth. Um, that uh, um, he would um, like to participate in rather than uh, writing a book that is just uh, pushing some uh, dogma, if you will, um, on others. So, you know, since he started writing those articles, there are some other, Sunagor Paul's another person who wrote some of them, Marsh tried to answer some of his uh, positions um, in the later part of his book, uh, which, uh, um, which, he gleaned Maharaj from the oral presentations of Sundar Gopal on the topic. Well, Sundar Gopal is writing out a whole dissertation on it, which will probably be more in depth, I would assume. Um, and so there's another one there. Um, so at this point, I, I have been on either side or in the middle uh, as well of this e equation. Um, and I think, <laughs> and I'm sure I've confused you and others just from what I've said right now, um, um, perhaps I have, but I think the long and short of it is, um, is we, we would be fine, I think, to gravitate. Um, it's important to know the Siddhanta, hmm? um, but not everybody is going to have the same capacity intellectually uh, or interest. Um, some are driven by that, some are driven by a simple ruchi, a simple kind of just taste, just like Krishna, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, now that latter person still has to fall within certain philosophical parameters. Bhakti Mnod says, you know, there is a, an art called Brahma Tattva, confusion about Tattva. 
But when he explains what that is, he's talking about things like you have to understand Vaishnavism as opposed to Advaita Vedanta. You know, these are more, you know, more basic um, arguments than fine details that have to be uh, in place. So um, to revert to the Buddha avatar who was asked a similar question about how did we get here? He said, well, if you're shot by an arrow, you know, it's not a good idea to sit and wait to pull it out before you find out, you know, where it came from. Um, you'll die in the process. And Prabhupada used to answer questions uh, like that in, in, in a similar way, at least consistently, although he might have said one thing or another thing at different times, consistently would uh, defer to uh, the practices hmm, by which you can uh, transcend the limits of reasoning and enter into a realm that uh, where contradictions are, are resolved. And so um, what's the source of your identity? Um, we can say the source will be the hearing and chanting that you'll do. The hearing and chanting that you'll do will definitely give rise to a spiritual identity. Hmm? Where did the hearing and chanting come from? Well, it comes from devotees. Where did devotees come from? Well, they come from Krishna. Um, so did Krishna send them? Yeah, they only work on behalf of Krishna. Then Krishna must know my identity and he's sending them to me. So, so, you, can, so you can go around and around um, like that. But uh, there is a strong emphasis in the texts on the importance of association. Uh, if you want to say uh, uh, you're a servant of God, ultimately that's your destiny. How you will serve will be dependent upon association that you get, the details of that. That's a kind of another perspective. But at any rate, again, I think that what's important is that how you approach hearing and chanting, that will determine your identity. If you approach hearing and chanting in the context of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and in the context of that, you understand the influences of, that are prominent therein, um, and, cultivate one of them, surely you'll, you'll attain that. But there are other unanswerable questions, uh, it would seem. They, you can answer them definitively to the satisfaction of some. Hmm? Whether you can answer them definitively to the satisfaction of everyone, and if there are other answers that can fall within the parameters of the philosophy, um, and answer them satisfactorily to, uh, satisfactorily to others, satisfactorily meaning that they provide the su sufficient impetus to hear and chant and attain um, um, uh, prem. Um, that would be uh, that would be the, de the, the determining factor. Um, so, if you if you want to look at it. Um, and I've taught along these lines for um, some time also that uh, as you associate, so you will attain. There are many statements to that effect. And um, um, then, well, how in that scenario did Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami develop affinity for Sakirasa when his guru was in Guruasa? This has been answered by different persons in different ways at different times. 
one answer is because based on the previous life, the same thing holds for my Guru Maharaj, who expressed clearly an affinity for Sakyarasa. Some of his god brothers said, oh, uh, he is in Sakyarasa, but in this life he took birth and took initiation from Bhakti Siddhanta and the Madhurya side of his Narma Sakabhav is, uh, has been nourished. They looked at it like that. There are other ways to look at it. Some say it's in the Siddha. So uh, that, that's another, uh, another perspective. So it could be by association in the previous life. Um, or some would say, and, 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 and what you're referring to in terms of what Sridhar said at that instant would refer to a more um, of a predestined you know, type of in a, you know, uh, idea. But uh, uh, obviously, or maybe not obviously to you, but those who knew Krishnadas Babaji as I did, it was obvious that he had been involved in bhakti for you know more than one life. So that's a very um, gray answer, I guess. <laughs> I would say, but um, I hope it helps. Does any further questions that gives rise to or comments? Hello. Um, I could. Oh, oh, okay. Could you Sajan? hear me? I, I could. I could hear you. Yeah. Okay. I was just giving room if there were any questions, any follow-up questions. So oh, Sajan okay. looks like he has one. Go ahead. Oh, I can't hear him. Can you hear him? I, I can't wait. Oh, no, I can't hear him either. Try so. the try the mute original audio. Do you have that English and mute original audio? I can't hear you, Sajan. I can't either. Okay. Um, someone said that Madhavan has a follow-up and maybe we'll check back in with Sajan. Pranam's Gurmaj, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I was wondering actually if you well basically I was reading Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and Rupa Goswami talks about how um, in Raganuga Bhakti one has to follow um, or one's qualified for Raganuga Bhakti when one develops loba or greed um, and at that point, one's no longer dependent on the logic and rules of the scripture. And he distinguishes that from Vaidhi Bhakti in that one is dependent on logic and rules of the scripture until one develops bhava. And Vishwanath comments that Raghunuga Bhakti is special in that it's, it's when one develops greed, not one, when one develops bhava, which seems to be suggesting that loba is attained before bhava um, whereas i've often understood that loba is a high thing that comes so i was wondering if you could talk about that well loba means uh, jiva goswami translates loba as ruchi and um, i think that rupa goswami translates it more accurately or more literally as greed um, greed is a peculiar word because greed is not a good quality 
but agreed for Krishna. Um, that's a good quality. So uh, ruchi, taste, attraction, um, um, same idea. Uh, and I think that um, what you find is is that there is a gradation in this the way, the way that that ruchi or loba is talked about. Ruchi here is a ruchi refers to a stage in sadhana bhakti, but here it, it's not talking about that. We're talking about just a taste. You're Practice is driven by taste. Um, you know, an example of this to help us would be that mother cares for a child. Babysitter also cares for the child. The latter is Vaidhi Bhakti, the former is Rag Bhakti. Mm -hmm. So the babysitter is caring for the baby because she's supposed to care for the baby. This is her duty. It's the right thing to do. She's been hired to do this. It's, it's supposed to be done right. She loves the baby too. Babysitters like babies. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but the mother is, she cares for the baby in a spontaneous way. Not because she's supposed to. This is the right thing to do, but spontaneously. So that's Rag Bhakti. And the babysitter is Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? Um, now, babysitters can become mothers, too. So you could argue that, well, when the babysitter gets pregnant, now she's going to have her own baby. So she's starting to move in the direction of having that spontaneous care for a child. But it hasn't fully manifested yet. So I think there's a way of talking about lobha on a scale. Hmm? After, uh, Jiva Goswami talks about loba on a scale with his term ajata loba raganubhavati or ajata ruchi without that taste, hmm? having that ideal. So even that ideal is an ideal that corresponds with the with the with the the, the spontaneous greed for love of Krishna that we see in his associates. Hmm? So if, if you're attracted to that, the way in which uh, Radha loves Krishna, the way in which Sridham, his friend, loves Krishna and so forth, the, the, just hearing about that, you find that attractive. The, the, so the, you're, you're identifying hmm? with that motivating uh, uh, force, if you will, that, that affinity, that, that love, although you don't have it. Mm -hmm. Still, you have some of it, some, some sense of it. So I think that you'll find that, that uh, um, Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita that you refer to, Jiva Goswami in Bhakti Sandarva also speaks about Raghunuga Bhakti. You can take all that they've said there, and and then you can take what uh, um, saints over the centuries how they have talked about those things, and you'll find a, a you know person saying, well, you know, he has a little bit of greed, hmm? a little bit of greed, a little bit, little bit of lobo, hmm? and so it, it, it needs to be you know it needs to be developed by hearing along 
about this type of love, you know, these type of pastimes and so on and so forth. And then obviously, you know, there's the mature stage of it. Uh, you know, you asked about the bhava bhakti in the Vaidhi Marg and then Loba in Agmarg. There's a commentator on Bhakti Rasamitsin named Kunda Goswami who said to attain the Loba in Ragmarg is more rare than to attain the Bhava in the Vaidhi Marg. So there's a high end, <laughs> right, explanation of it that really. Um, um, kind of underscores the full sense of, uh, of mature loba, but others have spoken about it in a way, as I said, to encourage uh, devotees. And I, I think it's it's accurate in one sense. Like I say, if you have the attraction for the ideal of Krishna in Vrindavan, well, all that is rag bhakti. That's what that is. You're attracted to the ragatmikas, so you want to follow them. That's raganuga. Um, still your attraction for bhakti and the way they serve is, is, is not like theirs, but something is there. So I think you look at it on a, on a scale, hmm? Loba. Uh, Jiva Goswami has been generous by saying, Ajataruchi Raghunuga Bhakti. Raghunuga Bhakti without Loba, hmm? without Loba. You haven't got the Loba, but still you can practice with that ideal in mind. But I think if you look at that, you say, well, there's some, some, some Lobos there. Otherwise, why would you do it, right? Why would you, why, if you're not attracted to it, then no question hmm, of pursuing it. So does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. I, I have one follow-up. Um, describing Ajataruchi Bhaganuga Bhakti as Vaidhi Bhakti, um, was that first expressed by Bhakti Vinod or was that expressed by other acharyas previously? Uh, what, uh, Ajataruchi Raghunuga Bhakti? Yeah, sometimes calling that Vaidhi Bhakti. Uh, I've heard different people uh, use that term. I don't think it's relative to Bhakti Vinod Thakur uh, because um, one aspect of Raghunuga Bhakti is to engage in the limbs of Vaidhi Bhakti. Rupa Goswami gives three things that constitute Raghunuga Bhakti as a practice. Hearing about the associates of Krishna, the leelas with Krishna that they perform that you're attracted to. Hmm? Serving that ideal appropriately in a practitioner's body and serving that ideal internally in a idealized meditative spiritual body. That's the second thing. It has two side, two two aspects. The third thing is to do vaidhi bhakti, mm -hmm. hearing and chanting, remembering, meditating, and so forth. Um, and of course, with that ideal in mind. So, if you can't do, you can hear leelas about Krishna. Mm -hmm. You can do seva in 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 your practitioner's body, right? And and you can do other and you can do Vaidhi Bhakti, but you may not be able to serve in a meditative body because you can't meditate yet. <laughs> uh, so uh, so 
you know, what, what's left? Basically, you're doing Vaidhi Bhakti, but you're not doing Vaidhi Bhakti as an, as a, as a, as a, as an ideal with that end in mind. So let's take, you know, we want to go outside of Bhakti, you know, you, 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 I heard uh, or read uh, somewhere, I think it's one of, one of the books or commentaries of another, that's Babaji, who passed away in the last year or so from Radhakunda, a whole different uh, Gaudiya sect than been ours and Bhaktivinoda Thakur's, although I think his parents may have been initiated by Bhaktivinoda or something, I forget, but he was using the same term, Vaidhi Bhakti, sometimes to refer to uh, Raghunuga Bhakti that, that's without that taste that's being driven by the knowledge of Raghunuga Bhakti and the association of, of the sadhu who teaches us that we're attracted to him or to her but we ourselves, uh, you know, at best are like a babysitter. We're, we're not like a mother yet. <laughs> um, uh, to refer to that as Vaidhi Bhakti. So yeah, no, it's, it doesn't originate with Bhakti Vinod. Okay, well, what else? Sajan, do you want to try again? Oh, I can't hear you. There's a button that says unmute. No, I mean, he has unmuted. Huh. There's also the English. Um, yeah, I feel like he, he did that. Yeah, you did that, Sean, the English and the. Unmute original audio, I think it is. Yeah, I think he's done that, but we still can't hear him. Okay, um, we may just have to move on to another question. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see him saying, yeah. Um, so there was a question in Spanish from Vrajhari. Das, could you translate that, Shamasundar? Did you see that? Well, I think there's a there's a you know strong kind of imaginary serendipity or synchronicity that uh, that uh, goes on. But I think at the same time there is a a parallel to that within um, a, a strict spiritual discipline like uh, like Krishna Bhakti, like Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and um, And uh, as such, when we find such 
I mean, I'm speaking of more than just there are coincidences, obviously. So you want to distinguish between a coincidence and something's happening because, uh, let's say it's it's God's will. I'm 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 serving God, and it's been arranged, and I met Him over here, and just see that one relates to this connection over here and there and so forth. So when those things start happening on a regular basis, in my experience, they correspond with trance. Mm -hmm. And I would take those seriously. Um, outside of that, um, I would, within the context of bhakti, I would, uh, I would in a more of a humorous way, look at those kind of connections and, um, and or lighthearted way and um, defer towards maybe towards coincidence or you know somewhere in between so to speak um, but in trance when things are happening and and one after after another um, it's, it's it's quite apparent that there's a plan and that you're uh, there's an agenda that you're that you're on it and it's being revealed to you. So that would be, I think, synchronicity or serendipity proper. Um, there is a meaning to life. There is a purpose to life. And that, that's kind of the background, right? To the whole idea of serendipity. There, there, there's something going on. There, well, there is. There, there is a, the, the world. It, it does have purpose and meaning. It, uh, there is an agenda. And we're we're on it. It's not ours. We're on it. We, we need to make it ours as it becomes revealed to us, which it will in terms of our willingness to be on that um, agenda. And of course, in a broad way, it comes from the scripture and so on and so forth. Um, but um, um, to be to be actually uh, tuned into that, so to speak. Um, then that's, um, there's no questions asked at that point. It's, it's, it's obvious. So I hope that helps. That's a short answer to a question, but I, it uh, brings us to the end of our time this morning. And um, nice to speak with you all. I hope to be available next week as well. I'm sorry if there's some questions that didn't get answered um, this morning, but... Um, you can save them over till next week. Thank did the you. Come through, Archon, or, or did or the Arlen? did the what come through? The broadcast, no, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, you. Got it on Haribo. Okay, let me announce. Um, Archana, do you want to stop the recording? Sure. For YouTube. Okay. Um, I just have.